Hello and welcome to episode number 23. Today we're going to talk about stocks, stocks, stocks. But today we're going to talk about the SEC. So what is the SEC? Let's start from there. So the SEC, which is the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, let's go um, what it's about. Their mission is to protect investors, maintain fair, orderly, and efficient markets, and facilitate capital formation. The SEC strives to promote a market environment that is worth it of the public's trust. So the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is an extremely important organization here in the United United States that was created after um, the the Great Depression, which we're talking about 1929, 1933, when basically um, the, the markets collapsed. So let's understand how the SEC becomes the Securities and Exchange Commission, the, you know, who they are today. Because I think they're like 86 year old. This organization is uh, 86 years old. So I want to show you a little bit of history about um, the SEC. So I went ahead and I did a little bit of research. And let me just tell you basically what happens with the, uh, with the SEC and how it was created. Before the SEC, there was something called Blue Sky Laws. These were enacted and enforced at the state level and regulated the offering and sale of securities to protect the public from fraud. So remember this, we're talking the 1900s. I mean, there's a monopoly here in the United States. You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of people with not a lot of money. And these people that had what we call disposable income, that means income, when you have disposable income, that means that you can just grab money, burn it, do what the hell you want with the money. So all of these people had a lot of disposable income. And basically because, you know, they were like all, you know, in the same group, they will just say, well, you know, we'll go by the blue sky laws, whatever. But then when these corporations started growing so much, then they say, we can have the poor and the rest of the people on stocks. And that's basically what happens. Stocks start being, uh, you know, uh, people start buying stocks, you know, like regular people start buying stocks with maybe not so much disposable income. And of course, you can imagine how terrible that went. Uh, according to Wikipedia, this blue sky law was where the laws were generally found to be ineffective. For example, uh, in 1915, the Bankers Association told its members they could just ignore blue sky laws by making securities offering across state lines through the mail. So you could just basically see that they were doing whatever they wanted. And then we have Black Tuesday. Let's talk about Black Tuesday. So let's see, Black Tuesday, I had it open and <laughs> it just went away. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Black Tuesday. Uh, Black Tuesday was basically the day the stock market crashed. We talk about the depression of the United States and basically that happens the day of um, Black Tuesday. So let's talk about Black Tuesday. According to history, dot com okay and i have a picture right here on october 29 1929 black tuesday hit uh, wall street as investors traded some 60 million shares on the new york stock exchange in a single day 
billions of dollars were lost, wiping off thousands of investors. Oh, yes, this is really scary. Do you imagine you put all your money and you don't have that disposable income that the others ones do and you're like, yes, yes. And then all of a the sudden, that's it, that's it. And no one is responsible. Maybe they get like a year in jail. <laughs> But that day was awful because get what, guess what happened? In the aftermath of Black Tuesday, American and the rest of the industrialized world, because remember, when something doesn't, when something's wrong with the United States, the rest of the world's shaking. Then American, the rest of the industrialized world, spiraled downward into the Great Depression, 1929 all the way to 1939, the deepest and the longest lasting economic downturn in the history of the Western industrialized world up to that time. So when we see 2020, and then we hear about 1929, you can imagine that this is just not uncommon. Not only is not uncommon, it's something that is a cycle. It happens, you know, because a stock is extremely affected by the conditions outside. And like I explained you the day, like for example, Steve Jobs died, when he passed away, the stock market immediately was freaking out because people kind of lose their confidence. They're like, oh my God, I put my money there. And what about if now Apple, I don't know, Bill Gates starts running in. People are like, ah, I have nothing against Bill Gates, but I just thought it was a funny joke. But that's basically what happens. So people kind of like panic and then, you know, so then what happens? They panic, they start going to the bank. This is Black Tuesday. And I'm guessing Black Tuesday is because the ink is black. I think I heard that, but I'm not sure if that's the, the reason why they call it Black Tuesday. You know, you start writing the checks and basically the banks are getting, I mean, they are, you're just bleeding the, the banks. You're just saying like, look, I, I want my money out. And of course, this was just basically like horrible. Let's see what history that comes says. Stock prices began to, began to decline in September and early October 1929. And October 18, the fall began. Panic set, and in October 24, Black Thursday, a record, I thought it was Black Tuesday, oh no, I'm sorry, October 24, Black Thursday, a record 12,894,650 shares were traded. We're talking about 1929. Oh, no computers, everything by hand. Oh my God, I can't imagine this. Okay, then on Monday, however, the storm broke. I guess people were like, and the market went into free fall. Black Monday was followed by Black Tuesday, in which stock prices collapsed completely, and 60 million, almost around 60 million shares were traded on the New York Stock Exchange in a single day. Billions of dollars were lost, and of course, the Great Depression was basically, um, it was just, I'm going to say it was a bad, but it was also a good thing because it, it, it just created this need of like, okay, we need someone to follow the rules and who's regulating these corporations. And that is how the SEC becomes part of the history. So then um, the Great Depression also help bring an end to prohibition. Politicians believe legalizing the consumption of alcohol could help create jobs 
and stimulate the economy. So yes, the Great Depression, and it's probably gonna happen right now because there's no money, people have no money, and then you're gonna be like, okay, what items we can put a lot of taxes on? Oh, okay, recreational drugs, cannabis, cigarettes, alcohol, and then, you know, basically you just pass the burden <laughs> to the consumer. So that's basically um, one of the reasons too, when, when there are depressions, then there's a lot of, it's a good and a bad thing, like I said, because when there are depressions, good things happen too. You're going to start, I mean, because I'm sorry, I think like the prohibition was so awful. I have, so I saw a documentary about the prohibition of the United States and my God, people were literally like drinking oil out of the furniture just because they wanted alcohol. I mean, it's just awful. I don't, I don't think prohibition is the way to go. I think education and all that, but that's another, that's another podcast, which I don't want to <laughs> go there. So let's talk about the sec. So then, you know, everyone is panicking. Everything is a problem. Da, da, da. So then um, this is when the Securities Act of 1933, which is also known as the Truth in Securities Act. Whoa. And the Federal Securities Act, or just the 1933 Act, this is by Wikipedia, where the goal was to increase public trust in the capital markets by requiring uniform disclosure of information about public securities offering. So basically what happened? Uh, everyone is panicking and then like, oh, but how can we fix this? And then uh, President Franklin, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he says, well, not a problem. I have my friend, uh, Joseph P. Kennedy, He's a self-made multimillionaire. He's a financier. We're going to bring this guy here and he's going to clean up <laughs> Wall Street. And that's basically what he did. He becomes the chairman, the first chairman of the SEC. And I guess they start working on it. This guy um, was extremely knowledgeable of being a business person. I guess understanding what other people, you know, how they were thinking, or maybe how they were committing fraud. Maybe he saw the deficiencies of the system at that time, and that's basically how we get uh, the SEC. Now, let's talk about the SEC, and let's go to the website. When you go to the SEC, the SEC is a great website to see. Um, it's just sec.gov. You can see news. You can see uh, uh, these are like the filings, uh, company filing search. They also have education tabs, regulation, enforcement, divisions and offices. So then what happens? So for example, um, I have my license as a loan originator in the state of Florida, and I have to learn all of these regulations. I have to also learn, uh, well, I have to know, I must know <laughs> these regulations because it is important. Of course, you're not gonna know all these regulations, but you understand that the SEC will mess around because basically they're protecting the consumer and the banks too and the whole thing. All right. So let's talk about the 10K. So how do we unify? How do we make all this easier? So 1933 doesn't happen again. So the success, not a problem. If you want to go public, you come here, make your application, pay your fee. We'll see your requirements right in fact um let's see what are the requirements what are the requirements 
to go public by the SEC. Let's check that out. You'll be surprised, it might not be that many. <laughs> okay, so according to Investopedia, going public, which is also called when a private company go, uh, offers the initial public offering, which is the IPO, basically what they do is that they go to the SEC and they say, okay, so how do we do this? I'm pretty sure what they do is that they get like all of the documents, they have to basically give them everything. And then you're going to have probably what you call the underwriter. And the underwriter, I work with insurance and I'm never going to forget <laughs> the guy at the time that was my manager. He told me underwriters don't have a soul. <laughs> he was right. They shouldn't have a soul because these people should just literally go by the rules. Oh, this is A, B, and C, but this one has A and D. Uh, there is a problem. So this is the reason why they have to be very objective because you're talking about millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and so on. Now, um, according to Investopedia, the company has predictable and consistent revenue. There's an extra cash to fund the IPO process. There is still plenty of growth potential in the business sector. The company should be one of the top players in the industry. There should be a strong management team in place. Um, I mean, the debt to equity ratio should be low. I think we talk about the debt equity ratio, but if not, I will. I am going to work another podcast on that. And basically, the company has a long-term business plan with financial spelled out for the next three to five years. This is the reason why, when you're doing your MBA and you're taking a financial class or like a financial analysis or markets or whatever you want to call it, and this is the reason why they always said. Please project the, last, the next five years. How do you think the company is going to do in the next five years? So you cannot evaluate the last three, cannot do your predictions, and then, you know, you throw yourself to the other five years. Is it easy to see? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's, I think this, this is very complex to, to, you know, go public. So what I wanted to do is to go ahead and see the Form 10K for Phyllis Morris International. I thought I could do Starbucks, Amazon, but I said, nah, let's just do something more fun. Cigarettes, tobacco. Because you know what? I'm not sure why when, every time I had a student, you know, like they needed like to get tutoring for this, usually the companies again, it says Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Amazon, uh, I think it was Alphabet, which is the parent of Google and so on. So let's do Philly Morris International. So here. So when you go to the SEC, you can actually just Google, or you can either Google, you can just put 10K. So if you have any company that you want to just check, you can just put, I don't know, whatever, Amazon 10K, Starbucks 10K 2020, and you'll see it. So this is basically how a 10K looks. Now, the 10K, as you can see, is going to have a lot of information. Now, right here, you're going to have part one, two, three, and then four. Uh, usually the 10K, you have to start with the business. What is the business? What do they do? So let's say that, you know, we start with the business. And Philly Morris International is a Virginia holding company incorporated in 1987. And basically what they do, we're building our future on a smoke-free products that are much better consumer cho choice than continuing to smoke cigarettes. So this is basically their business mission or 
you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, right here, you're also going to have to, you need to put what are the risk factors, right? So as you can see here, they need to basically, these 10Ks are super long and extremely, you know, tedious to read, but they are not. Because look, if you go by the index, just like what I'm doing right now, then you kind of know where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now to part two. But look at this. You have business, risk factors, legal proceedings, properties. Basically, if you're a public corporation, you have to disclosure all this. This is not like, you know, you basically have to show everything. Who's the CEO, who's the CFO, what they call, you know, the, the, the corporate people, right? Now, part two, uh, it talks more. This is the part that investors uh, cannot see because this is the part where you understand how risky or and how much uh, profit you can get, right, from this company. So as you can see here, the selected financial data, right, when you go on it, let me see if I go page 15. Okay, bingo. So look at this. We have, now this is... Philip Morris, this is fiscal year ending in 2017, whatever, I just thought 2017. So let me show you now how in 2017 this looks, let me see, number 15. Okay, so look at this. Here you have selected financial data. Now here I could see this is revenue, operating income. So when you're studying finance, the first thing they're gonna tell you is like, okay, can you explain me how did they do financially? Well, what you do here is that look, you have the revenues and I can see 2013, they have 80,000. Obviously this is in millions of dollars, 2014. So I can see here that 2015, the revenue went down, right? 2016, it went up. 2017 is in 78,000. So you could actually, if you were doing an analysis of this, you could say, well, you know, 2013, was the biggest year for the net revenue while 2015. And then if you really wanted to do a nice analysis, then what I will do if I were tutoring you, I will say, let's look at 2015 in this company to see what happened to understand why, you know, the net revenue started declining after 2000, uh, you know, basically you know at that point now um here you can see that they, they have to describe the company and not only that they have to give every single report now who regulates this report well these reports need to follow what is called the gap and the gap it is the general let me see if you've studied business, you've heard this word thousands of times, and I'm not talking about Gap, <laughs> the, the store to buy clothing. I'm talking about the generally accepted accounting principles. So what Gap is, is that the SEC tells the person that is going to go public or the corporation, wait, you need to make sure that your balance sheet looks like this, your income statement looks like this. I need you to give me a report every year called the 10K and, you know, don't think anything funny. <laughs> I don't think that's what they do. But um, if I had a huge corporation and I have the SEC knocking on my door, I will be <laughs> concerned. <laughs> now, the gap, what it is, is just basically um, a common set of accounting principles, standards, and 
procedures issued by the Financial Accounting and Standards Board. So what these people say, they say, look, if you're a public company in the United States, you must follow the gap. That way, when an investor like me says Starbucks against Coca-Cola, against you know all of these corporations they all look the same and it's much easier to compare so this is actually pretty cool because as you can see here if you do a 10k for uh, a starbucks and a 10k for philip morris like i'm doing right now they are going to look with the same instructor it makes it much easier reading them understanding them and obviously doing the audit uh when you're an auditor uh I'm pretty sure that makes it much, much easier. Now here, as you can see here, and going back to the 10K, um, not only they have to report, they have to also report, you know, the, look, the European e Union, Eastern Europe, Middle East, and Africa, every single market they have. Uh, here, look at this. This is our, chi our shipment volume by segment for cigarettes and heated tobacco units was as follow. They have to disclose all this, um, that if it's true or not, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't tell you for sure if all of these numbers are like to the point, but I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, that if there's inside trading and weird things going on, eventually the SEC hopefully tells these people to stop it and to fix it or whatever they're doing. You know, look at this page. This is, okay, this is, PMI shipment volume by brand. Now, Luca Marlboro is the highest brand. Um, I don't know, Ellen, I don't smoke cigarettes, so I wouldn't know. Well, I have smoked Marlboro Red, stupidest thing. Cigarettes are stupid, to be honest with you. I think cigarettes, they smell, but the problem is that nicotine is very addicting. I remember when I was in, in was it in college? No, yeah, when I was in college, I smoked for one year because everyone was smoking and it was like the break thing. Then I was like, what the hell am I doing? It's just not worth it. Anyhow, going back. So look at this, Marlboro for sure is their brand. They have like all, you know, all the other brands. This is actually pretty interesting. If you ask me, if you really like a company, uh, you can do this with Facebook, you can do this with every single company that is public. Um, if you have nothing to do, it's kind of fun to look at a 10K and see exactly, you know, where, you, where whatever, if, you're, if your baby, your stock is there, then the 10K is going to be like, okay, everything is going to be okay. Now, um, going back, just to recap what we've learned, the stock market wasn't regulated or the financial instruments were not regulated. The crash happens. They had the blue sky laws that we read that they were not efficient. And now with the SEC, we can actually say, okay, if you're going public, you need to follow the standards that the gap tells you in order to do like your balance sheet, you know, all your reports and your statements. This is pretty interesting. And I hope today you enjoy seeing this 10K, what is the SEC, the history, because I feel that the times that are coming and we can, you know, I, I know it's tough what's coming, but we just need to be prepared. And I do believe that anything negative always brings something positive because if not, there's not going to be an equilibrium. And all what I can tell you is that I'm going to be doing more of this podcast. I am not uh, someone telling you what to buy or not to buy in stock. I want to make sure to put that clear. <laughs> no people think that I'm like selling stocks or anything like that. 
But this is very important because I am sick of seeing people on Instagram being like, oh, I invest here and that, and they don't teach you. They're just telling you what to do. So very, very important. This is all free Google. Google Sec, Google 10K, investopedia.com. Because after I've been doing this podcast, all of my friends have been asking me questions and I'm like, we can talk about it, but it would be so good if you first see these websites, which I'm also going to be putting on this podcast and the way you can enjoy them as well. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'll see you next time. I'm going to be doing more the math behind any other things. I am very excited because I want to do one with accounting. Um, I want to talk about the accounting equation. Assets equals equity plus <laughs> liability. So we'll talk about that in another time. Thank you so much. This is Vanessa Graulich with my micro school. And thank you so much again. Have a good day.